Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics. It's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good morning and welcome back to Trigger Talk. Oh, gosh, December 30th. Can you believe it? We are, uh, Christmas came and went so quick. <laughs> oh, I had, I had so much fun. Um, and, um, my, I, I went down to Indiana and picked up my mom and brought her back up to Michigan and, uh, the family was all over and, uh, all the grandkids. What a fun time. I hope you had a good time at on, on your holiday as well. Uh, of course, it started with uh, Christmas Eve with the uh, outstanding Lions game, and we've got another one tonight. Can you believe it? Just I mean, just boom, boom, boom. And uh, after the Vikings game last week, which went very well, I'm I'm sure got my fingers crossed. What do you think our chances are tonight, Derek? Well, I know the odds seem stacked against the Detroit Lions tonight against the Dallas Cowboys because the Cowboys have a 15-game home winning streak on the line tonight, and they've been a dominant home team this year. And the Lions, they're, they have a perfect record this year in primetime games. So something's got to give in this game. And, and <laughs> yeah, I think do. the Lions... I believe the Lions are going to pull out this game by a field goal. I think it, it will be a very fun back-and-forth offensive shootout game, and I'll take the Lions 31-28. to 28. Well, that, that's a good prediction, and I'll tell you what, we'll, I'll listen to you tomorrow. I'm sure you'll be talking about the results tomorrow, right? Yep, I'm going to be talking about the Lions' win that clinched the NFC North on, last Sunday and obviously tonight's game. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, for those of you who are out there looking for, let's say that uh, great-grandma Selma or Tante Olga, that's Aunt Olga, (laughs) in in my family it was Tante Olga because she was German, Uh, or or Cousin Bertha gave you uh, some money to to uh, that's burning a hole in your in your gun burning uh, gun money pocket right now, then uh, you might want to go out to the Lansing Mason Gun Show. That's uh, the Kip Road exit on 27 North. Uh, and that's about 45 minutes from here, 45, 50 minutes from from uh, Ann Arbor. So, but it's a great show, and it's going to be. Um, it actually started last yesterday, and it's today and tomorrow. Uh, Ohio has a couple. We've got the Shelby County Gun and Knife Show in Sydney, Ohio the Westland Mall Gun Show in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and the, let's see, so there's only two in Ohio, and then in Missouri, we got one, the uh, St. Charles Gun Show at the St. Charles Convention Center, and then Arizona's only got one, the uh, Lake Havasu Collectible and Firearms Show, so uh, that well, that would be a nice place to be right about now uh, in the wintertime, Lake Havasu. Uh, let's see. I'm hoping before next week we'll have new numbers to start the year. Uh, we have 820,186 CPLs for the year. And, uh, I, I mean, at the end of the year, and, uh, that is up 
26,267 from last year. So that's that's pretty good. I still think they're slow walking them, but uh, and it doesn't surprise me with all the stuff about uh, firearms law. Um, oh, let me mention a few other things. We don't forget the um, the uh, Shriners um, at ShrinersOrg.com uh, or ShrinersOutdoor.com. Uh, the the big um, uh, drawings that they have, you can you can register online or you can um, uh, you you know you can bu- you can buy them in person too. So, and uh, I I was at a meeting the other night. meeting. It was a board meeting for uh, Tri County, and and people were talking about buying tickets for it. So that's cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, now, then also do not forget uh, tomorrow, and uh, weather will be. Eh, but um, the uh, at noon out at Tri County Sportsman's League from twelve to four, you can trap shoot tomorrow. You do not need to be a member; it's open to the public. Uh, at uh, Tri County Sportsman's League in on eighty six forty Moon Road in Saline, Michigan. So there's trap shooting tomorrow. Now. Um, I hate to talk about this subject, and I want to say the uh, it certainly is uh, indicative that that elections have consequences. I mean, we have been putting up with Whitmer. I kind of wish I do and don't. I wish she would run for for president and then lose, of course. But uh, she has been riding roughshod over everything in this state for for years now and that includes everything from uh taking away local control from uh municipalities and and townships and stuff for projects that are in their area uh to uh gun control so there was an article and i'm i don't think many of you probably saw it a lot of you probably don't get the ann arbor news um, the Ann Arbor News, I think they only um, they only print print copies on Thursdays and Sundays, but they have an online copy. And I so I get the Sunday paper. So that gives me access uh, each week to the uh, to the online person, you know, for a day, they do it daily, but it's all only online. And um, so I cut this one out. This this was the other day. I think it was Thursday. I cut it out. Uh, of the, you know, piece by piece, because they don't let you just copy it online. Interesting. But their state firearm laws will change in 2024. And here's how. And they show a picture of uh, Gretchen Whitmer smiling happily with uh, Gabby Giffords, who is the the Giffords, um, uh, I want to say, I want to say it's almost like a, uh, a mascot because she she's clearly not totally all there. And she is a gunshot victim. So that's understandable. But um, but she was a very strong gun supporter. And her husband, who, by the way, Mark Kelly was an astronaut. If you didn't know that, he was a uh, astronaut. Um, and uh, he lets you know that every time by wearing NASA jackets around. But uh, the. The uh, thing is, is that and even the the implementation of this that originally was expected to take place about the uh, the beginning of the end of March, uh, the beginning of April, and it was supposed to be in process then. And it's because when when they have a um, I want to say, let me see how to explain it. Um, 
the it and I'll get I'll back up to it. But what happens is uh, the, because the legislation did not receive a vote of immediate effect from Senate members, uh, the bills do not become law until 90 days after legislation adjourns for the year. So that normally you would think the end of the year and then it'd be 90 days later. So it'd be April 1st. But in reality, they decided to um, adjourn early this year. Obviously, they're overworked They're they're because they're uh, planning restrictions on all our um, freedoms and stuff like that. But uh, so what happens is it will actually take place in about mid-February or so. So I'm going to get the exact date. Uh, of what they consider the the date that the uh, legislator adjourned for the year, but it's it's uh, going to take place earlier, so it'll be February or March first or something like that. So uh, the thing is is that, and I'm going to read this, uh, and I'm going to uh, comment on it while I'm reading because I want to say some of it is disingenuous, and this is not unlike many of the stuff. That the things I read about laws and politics and stuff when it comes to gun laws, they do not tell the whole truth. Okay. So it says when Democrats took control of both the state uh, house and Senate earlier this year, gun control was among their top priorities. It didn't take long for them to enact many of those efforts, but like many of the other divisive topics for which Democrats passed legislation in 2023, many of the firearm changes will not become law until about February 14th, so mid-February. Here is what those new laws will look like. Red flag orders. Come February, Michiganders will have will be able to seek temporary removal of firearms from at-risk individuals by obtaining an extreme risk protection order, the formal name for a red flag complaint. A family member, current or former partner, mental health professional, and other eligible petitioner would have to file a complaint using forms created by Michigan State Court Administrative Office as ordered by the state Supreme Court. State Rep. Kelly Breen, Democrat out of Novi, remember that those of you who are uh, pro-gun people and live in the Novi area, chair of the House Judiciary Committee, said getting the court forms right ahead of the law's uh, implementation implementation is especially important. It's one of the things we definitely need to follow up with to make sure the forms are done correctly. The complaint would have to show whether the person at issue called the respondent can reasonably be expected be expected within the near future to intentionally or unintentionally seriously physically injure himself, herself, or another individual by possessing a firearm per the bill's final language. Gosh, it says himself or herself. What about the 57 other genders we've got out there? He, her, zim, z, zer, z. I just just call them hey, you. Actually, I don't call them at all. Uh, Although experts say abuse of the process is rare, the package also accounts for punitive use of risk protection orders. For a first offense, a person could be punished by up to 93 days in jail uh, and a fine of $500. Then this escalates up to four years in prison and a fine of $2,000 for a second offense and up to five years in prison and a fine of $20,000 for a third or subsequent uh, 
offense. So this is supposedly going to prevent people from abusing the red flag laws out there. Um, although I am surprised they, they put big dollar amounts and long, long jail amount time in it. But um, what about the cashless bail laws and the, uh, all, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a plethora of those things, a plethora of those things going on out there now with, um, with, uh, Examples in Chicago, there was, and examples in New York, there was a, a couple of teenage girls that were um, stabbed in New York by a guy who had, he already had six or seven assault charges on him and all that stuff. And after stabbing two girls in Grand Central Station on, I think it was Christmas Eve, um, he was out within hours on his own personal recognizance, even though he's got a, uh, a rap sheet as long as your arm. So I want to say uh, putting things in here like this is kind of ridiculous. Let's see then, depending on the individual situation, the restrained person would be required to either immediately or voluntarily relinquish guns within 24 hours of a judge issuing an order. An order would typically last for one year. During that time, law enforcement agency would possess the person's firearms and ammunition identified in the initial risk protection order, as well as any later discovered in the person's home. Interesting. Any later discovered in the person's home. No fewer than three months after a judge grants an order, a person could ask a court to extend the order for an additional year, or the judge could do so itself, should enough reason exist. Conversely, a judge could end the order early if there is sufficient evidence the risk protection measures are no longer needed. Michigan becomes the 21st state in the nation to enact such orders. Safe storage. Come February, Michiganders will also be required to safely store firearms when minors are present. A person could be guilty of a misdemeanor misdemeanor punishable by not more than 90 days in jail and a fine of more than $500 or both if a minor obtains the firearms due to improper storage. Now, I want to say I'm not against safe storage, obviously. Uh, mandating it is, is uh, I want to say, safe storage should be common sense. Um, the, um, you know, the you want to keep the guns not only safe from your your grandchildren, your children, anybody who might come in the house, uh, you know, at a party or something like that. But you also don't want them to, uh, to you don't want to buy them and give them to the burglars either. So, uh, you know, places like in your in your nightstand drawer or dresser drawer are not good places for uh, for firearms and kids can find things anywhere. So I'm not as against a gun safety uh a law that that says and by the way the penalties if the minor should kill somebody there are additional uh penalties it's like the up in oxford where the parents um bought the kid the 15 year old a nine millimeter and then gave him access to it that's not appropriate okay some i want to say when i was 15 i knew not to touch guns but not all the all, everybody is not the same as uh as we were back then uh, this one is the one that makes me angry. Universal background checks. A background check was previously required only when purchasing a handgun in Michigan. That's a Michigan law. And there, are on, there were only, at the time, about eight, eight 
states that required a permit to purchase and a background check by the state, okay? However, all handguns and actually all long guns purchased from a dealer have to go through an FBI NICS check. They never mention that in these articles. They, they come along and they say, oh, well, yeah, we only needed it for handguns, not for long guns. That's a Michigan requirement, not a federal requirement. It's, it's disingenuous to say that there was no background check on long guns that are bought at a dealer's. Okay. Come February, Michiganders will also be re- will also will be required to safely store firearms. Oops, wait a minute. I double copied something. Uh, here we go. Next year, however, background check provisions apply in the purchasing of all firearms. The law will not apply to guns bought prior to the bill taking effect. So that's why there'll be a whole bunch of guns bought between now and February 14th, probably. But also, <clears throat> people have asked me, what about the guns you already own? Okay, so how are they going to know if I sell a gun to my friend or if I give a gun to my uh, one of my friends or grandsons or something like that? Okay, they won't know unless they have a registration of all existing guns. So what's going to happen is miraculously after this takes effect, they're going to go, oh, my goodness, we uh this isn't going to work. We're going to have to have people who already own these guns register them so we know if they're selling them to people. I mean, that, that, that again, disingenuous, okay? Uh, let's see. The laws will not apply to pri- uh, guns bought prior to taking effect. And additional legislation outlines sentencing guidelines and fines that occur should the laws be violated. Gun violence is a scourge that is unique to this country. Uh, well, except was it in Morocco or someplace this, uh, just gosh, a couple of days ago, um, a bunch of people, uh, with guns killed 140 Christians. Oh, but that doesn't happen in other countries. Uh, what about, uh, gosh, in Israel, there are a bunch of people, they're called Hamas, 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 no, Hamas is a bean dip, uh, Hamas, okay, Hamas, uh, Gosh, that happened in Israel, didn't it? Oh, well, I guess it's I guess it's not so unique to this country. As a matter of fact, the things that are going on around the world uh, and the fact that we have open borders with people coming in from all around the world have a lot of people buying guns every year, like 21 million this last year, probably more. We'll find out at the end of the year numbers. But we do know that we had record... Um, you know, million and a half, two million uh, units a month sales uh, all all through the year. Uh, let's see, a domestic violence gun ban. Most recent of all bills to take effect next year is a potential eight-year gun ban for individuals convicted of a misdemeanor involving domestic violence. Uh, let's see, safe gun storage, uh, that's interesting, universal background checks. I don't know why this is doubled up on me. Uh, let's see, the convicted person's spouse, let's see, the, the, a misdemeanor, uh, let's see, however, unlike federal law, those convicted of domestic abuse in Michigan would get their gun ownership rights restored following, however, however long their ban lasts. A misdemeanor involving domestic 
violence would include a host of charges, including assault and battery, vulnerable adult abuse, stalking, fourth-degree criminal sexual conduct, a willful or malicious destruction of personal property of another person. The, cr the crime victim would have would have to fit a certain profile, including one of the following. So this is for the domestic abuse uh, law. The convicted person's spouse or former spouse, having had or a dating relationship with the convicted person, having or had a child in common with the convicted person, a resident or former resident of the convicted person's household, the victim's parents or guardian. Domestic violence would be defined more precisely, so only those convicted of the crime will be affected by the guns, the state's gun ban. The bill package additionally expands the list of gun crimes that already keep a person from possessing a firearm for three to five years following the completion of their sentence. So there's a lot of things. Among the smaller changes to Michigan's gun ban this year was a push to address the gap in the state's ban on firearms inside airport. Oh, yeah, there's a gap there, a loophole, of course. Unlike other bills, however, this piece of legislation has been in effect since November 22nd. Previously, prosecuting someone for bringing a firearm into a sterile area of an airport defined as the place uh, just past airport security was hard to do as the Michigan definition relied on a federal regulation that ceased to exist in 2002. The new state law aligned with current federal aviation administration guidelines is smoothing out any wrinkles. Oh, yeah, I, I, I guess there must be a ton of of. of gun crime going on that way. Uh, an exception of specific individuals required to carry gun in the line of duty, meaning members of the U.S. Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and Space Forces uh, is included in the new law. On the horizon, now this is one that was interesting. Earlier this year, the House passed bills that would implement a ban on guns inside or within 100 feet of polling locations on Election Day. They have been since referred to the Senate Elections and Ethics Commission, and they're waiting a hearing. So that ban did, did not take effect yet. But it would affect, and that's interesting. How about the fact that um, I know in our township, the one I live in, we, we uh, actually uh, vote at the Tri-County Sportsman's League. My goodness. Well, there are guns stored in, in safes within there, within 100 feet. That's terrible because for all the years, what, how long have we been in business? 59 years, 69 years, something like that. We've been uh, uh, been in place and they've been having elections and there's been no issues with it. But suddenly we might not be able to vote there anymore. So uh, let's see. The ban would also apply to inside or within 100 feet of early voting locations on a day when early voting is occurring. Within 100 feet of an absentee ballot drop box during the 40 days prior to the election. Inside or within 100 feet of the entrance to a city or township clerk's office during the 40 days prior to the election. So actually, that would mean I'm a... a uh, appointed um, uh, the the chair of the planning commission for York Township. That would mean I wouldn't be able to carry for forty days in uh, in in the township hall. What in the heck does that have to do with anything? Okay, 
Yeah, we'll have to see. Boy, these are really, the bills would be a move from the Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, in October 20th to ban open carry of firearms in polling places. I, I just want to say, uh, all of this stuff, these are the consequences of uh, an election that was um, uh, questionable at best, okay? So we need to go out and really make a difference uh, this next year when it's time to vote and make sure that, that a matter of fact, I, I can very easily be a single issue voter. <laughs> I could say, well, no Democrats, that might be true. But the, but the thing is, is that if people don't trust me to carry a firearm or own firearms and stuff, then, then, uh, I don't trust them to run the country. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio. I'll see you next week. Or, I'm sorry, next, <laughs> just a couple minutes later. Uh, talk to you later. Wham! Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, I was, I'm going to jump into a story pretty quickly, but we got a call first. We got Rob from Wayne, and uh, he's got a question about a militia. Hi, Rob. What's your question? How you doing, Mr. Gupke? I'm doing okay. Thanks um, for asking. About three weeks ago, you mentioned on your show, right before you signed off, about um, uh, another area of the state starting up a county well-regulated militia. <laughs> And yeah. I, I thought you were going to bring that up the following week, but with your shorter program, it didn't. You didn't talk about it. Yeah, and... there's a couple of times I'm <laughs> I run out of time. Uh, yeah, but um, I want to say uh, I I have not heard anything else on that, but I need to. You know, I'm going to take that as a homework assignment. Let me write that down because people talk about militias, and actually, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, it's called the, the going home series. And they came out with the, the 12th book in the series and they're talking about, uh, g gun rights and different rights and stuff like that. And how a militia is exempt to certain things. And that's what they were doing. I think it's over by Grand Rapids somewhere by Muskegon, but, uh, yes. yeah, you know, I will write that down and I'll, I will talk about that next week. I think uh, you, I don't I know find. if you mentioned the name. I don't know if you mentioned, uh, Linda Pago, but she's actually involved in the Republican party. I, I want to say she might even be the co-chair woman uh, okay. behind Christina. And they did have a phone number on their website. I did call it and left a message. Haven't heard back from anybody. Okay. Because I think that well, was the source it's, of it's your of your comment that you made on the air. And I think that's an interesting topic that has to happen because of, you know, <laughs> the last uh, 15 minutes that you said everything that's tyrannical about our state government and what's going on, uh, that this would be a good time to actually talk about that a little bit more i've i've read the the previous constitutions to 62 of the state of michigan and can't can't believe how the actual the definition of well-regulated militia has changed over the four constitutions that we've had 
to the point of making it like it's not really necessary. <laughs> and I'm yeah. saying, I don't know how that actually gets disintegrated to that point, but that's where we're at. And um, I, I think when you said Washington County, well-regulated militia, I'm in Wayne County. And I think that you could easily, you know, start a, a, a cause here of putting some things together to where we could learn of a well-regulated militia together. Yeah, and see what this is about and how and this can help us. I want to say, um, the, you know, they, they use that clause quite a bit. The well-regulated uh, militia being necessary. And then they, then they tried to water it down a little bit. And actually what they've done over the last couple of years, not couple of years, uh, probably a couple of decades, is tried to make militia a dirty word. Yeah. And by by talking with you, you remember the uh, back when they had the Oklahoma uh, federal office building bombing out there and the guys from from Michigan were part of a militia that was tied to that. From then on, the word militia has been demonized and uh, it may be necessary to bring back uh, just that a militia where uh, if, if you're going to tie your uh especially carrying and self-defense rights and things like that to, to the word militia. Well, then we may just have to start one up. Right. So I'll get into that. That's a good topic. It's an excellent topic. And I think it's going to get more and more interest after what you just went through that last 15 minutes before the commercial break (laughs) on what's going on with these gun laws and things that, uh, don't sound like that's we the people that pass these things. It's it's right. an agenda that's different. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, well, fortunately, what they none, I think that that Whitmer has a lot more in store for us, but that <laughs> um, what she's already done is mild compared to what somebody like Governor Pritzker has done in Illinois. And that one is still, uh, everybody's on pins and needles. Matter of fact, I've got friends in Illinois and, and we're talking about, uh, well, you, you know, moving his guns out of state because, um, because Pritzker so far, the, the Supreme court has not stepped in and put an injunction against it or ruled on it. So as essentially effective, the first of the year, which is just on uh, Monday, uh, there the people that have any of those quote banned assault weapons and stuff will be felons. And actually, the judge that was talking about that last week said, "Well, what will weigh heavily on this is the amount of compliance people have. If the compliance is so bad that it's a joke, then they may very well." Um, you know, put an injunction against it at that point. But that's kind of like the closing the barn door after the, uh, after the horses are out. So we'll see there's going to, and you know, a a militia fix, there are, uh, counties in, in, um, in townships and things and municipalities in, um, in Illinois that have declared themselves a sanctuary County from these gun laws. So I think that the militia, and sanctuary counties and things like that are some of the tools that the uh, gun community will have to use to fight these uh, 
illegal actions and unconstitutional actions that these gov- local governors are taking. So thanks, Rob, mm-hmm. for the call. I really appreciate okay. it. Thanks for your show, and hopefully you can get back to two hours soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know, we all can hope. So uh, right. let's see. Uh, here's something that I, I find interesting. Um, and, you know, when we talk about different gun um, gun uh designers and stuff there are people like john john moses browning that everybody uh you know holds in such high regard and there's people like um uh samuel colt and i want to say uh william ruger um and uh was it charles newton who invented the 300 savage and and uh uh, mr savage who founded the company well the world um lost a bigger, a big time name and designer this year. Uh, actually this past week, uh, Gaston Glock died Wednesday. And I want to say there's not a person out there who maybe they don't like them. Uh, maybe they don't carry them. Maybe they don't even haven't shot them, but, uh, everybody knows the name Glock. It's kind of like the, uh, synonymous with the matter of fact they talk about it being the image that all the anti-gun signs have on it so i guess it says no glocks allowed that image doesn't look like a 1911 or a revolver i guess i'm okay but um the what happened is the glock company announced his death they said uh we report with deep sadness that our founder mr gaston glock passed away peacefully on december 27th 2023 at the age of 94 gaston glock built his iconic brand with visionary foresight on the principles of glock perfection he charted the strategic direction of the glock group throughout his life and prepared it for the future. His life work will continue in his spirit. And uh, I want to say, although they they don't show a whole lot of innovation, they show evolution. They start, you start with the first Glocks and they still look a lot like the latest Glocks. Okay. Uh, But there, there's improvements in the mechanisms and in the handle, the shape and the, gosh, there's so many different sizes and capacities and things like that. Uh, the Glock story begins with its founder, Gaston Glock, a man with a simple yet powerful guiding principle, make it simple, make it perfect. Amazingly, though he had no prior experience in gun manufacturing, actually Gaston Glock revolutionized the small landscape, small arms landscape in 1980s. Glock began his manufacturing career <laughs> producing curtain rods of all things. If you can imagine, he I want to say, you know, you think about it. And, uh, so that goes to show how somebody who has a lot, a good vision, like, uh, and, and, and I like Glocks. I didn't like them at first. I didn't like the way the triggers felt. I always felt the triggers and the, the striker fired feel when you, when you dry fired, you know, like racked the slide and then pulled a Glock trigger. It felt, and then you'd hear a spring let go, and it'd go bing like that. And it felt to me like a dart gun, okay? You remember the dart guns with the suction cups on the end with the long stem that you would put down until it it caught the, the sear? And when you would pull the trigger, you'd feel the spring let go, and it would shoot that dart out. That's what a Glock trigger always felt like to me. Now, I have come to 
appreciate them a lot. I like them. I've had many. Um, I think uh, I don't have any right now. Okay. Because, uh, 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 several of them went to my brother and his wife and my, um, uh, and his daughter. Um, and some uh, have gone the way of, uh, when I get duplicate calibers and stuff to other people. But, um, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to get a, another one <laughs> just, just in honor of Gaston Glock. Uh, I, I always liked the gen threes cause I liked the, the feel of the grip, the finger grips, the, the, the shape and size of the stippling on it. When they went to the Glock four, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that I've, uh, I've, uh, talked about them being like a cheese grater <laughs> when you hold, it's got those little pyramids on them. And if you go to the range and shoot a couple hundred rounds, your hands hurt, not from the recoil of the, and the, you know, the, the, uh, felt recoil and things like that from the round, but from the, the shape of the little points on the, the gen four grips. Uh, matter of fact, I had a gen four seventeen, and that's one of the ones I got rid of because it just, I didn't like the feel of it. Uh, but I want to say they, they have become to be known for their reliability. Uh, the striker fire mechanism with no external hammer offers a constant trigger pull. The design coupled with the durability and simplicity of the gun made it a uh, favorite of law enforcement and military too, because they always just work. So I want to say um, we will... Um, uh, remember that his mission was to make it simple, make it perfect. And I actually know, uh, matter of fact, he's still, uh, my son went to high school with a guy from Selene who works for, uh, Glock USA. So, uh, it's, uh, and I think it's down South now, like in South Carolina, North Carolina or something like that. But, uh, but, uh, he deserves a tip of the hat and a good remembrance, just like William Ruger, Samuel Colt, John Browning, uh, Gaston Glock was a visionary. Uh, let's see. We've got a story here. I got a kick. Now, it's interesting. The, the prosecutor's actually going after a guy who uh, he was in a store and he shot a robber, which was actually okay to do uh, because the guy came in with a gun and was waving it around and threatening the guy and the store owner shot the robber and uh, he ended up getting charged not because he shot the robber but because he was a prohibited person and a felon and not a uh, ex-felon and not allowed to be around handguns okay uh, or, or any guns but the thing is is that uh, it was interesting because the prosecutor came back the Hamilton County prosecutor Melissa Powers who filed the charges against this store owner and manager, Tony Thacker, for sh shooting the would-be robber. Uh, but she came out and said, I want to make this perfectly clear. These retail thefts will not be tolerated. If you rob a store, you should expect to be shot. Okay. And somebody said, well, is that a miss, mixed signal? Because here she charged a guy. No, the guy was a prohibited person. He couldn't, he should not have had access to a firearm according to the, the actual laws that, of the land. Okay. However, she, she did say, if you're a bad guy and you are robbing somebody, you come in a store, 
you should expect to be shot. So I think that's setting the expectation right where it needs to be. That was good to, to hear a prosecutor uphold that. Uh, let's see. I was going to talk about this for a minute. Uh, things that don't suck. I always like that, that, um, interesting term. And I've talked about optics and, and bags and things like that. And one of the things I think you all know about me is I'm, I'm kind of a, a flashlight geek. Okay. I love flashlights. I always have a flashlight on my po- in my pocket. And the one I carry is, is made by Phoenix and it's spelled F E N I X. And mine is a PD 25, which is a, uh, that, that's, uh, I don't think they make that one anymore. They may make a similar one, but it's a single cell and it uses a CR-123 battery. And um, I, I actually keep rechargeable batteries in it, but I have to open it up and take the battery out to be able to charge it. Well, there are um, a number of new small flashlights and phoenix makes some and and i like i like these there's a company called streamlight out there and streamlight makes one now this is important to listen it's called a macro stream m-a-c-r-o-s-t-r-e-a-m usb 500 lumen flashlight it is a very powerful flashlight okay but it's small it uses a battery that's about the same size. It's not exactly the same as a double uh, A, but it is. Uh, it's about that size, and the batteries itself uh, is a little bit bigger, and it comes with a battery in it, and it actually has a charging port. You could take the battery out and change it if it you eventually wear it out, but. It has a charging po- charging port that you like slide the shroud a little bit and then you plug in a U- mini USB. And it is an outstanding, the size of it looks wonderful. And actually, more importantly, the price of it is pretty good. It is a, it's funny when I read it uh, and it throws a good beam. Let me see. Uh, they, they also make one called a micro stream that uses a single double-A battery or triple-A battery or uh, a USB version, but it's got a lot less power. The triple-A the battery in the microstream only has 45 lumens. That's nothing, okay? A USB version can uh, of the microstream can generate 250 lumens, but that's nowhere near the macro-stream's 500 lumens. This is a cool flashlight. Uh, it's big enough to use it's it's oh, it's almost as long as the one with the CR123 maybe even a little longer but it's thin and it's got a a, a neat um, pocket clip that also can clip on a uh, on a hat so it it throws a beam 90 meters that's outstanding wide bright beam um, it's and again it's a streamlight macro stream USB 500. And I want to say um, the best thing about it is it's reasonable price. I mean, these some of these flashlights, uh, I was talking with um, um, my friend John, and and he has access to a lot of uh, uh, police stuff when it comes off um, off service. And he they had a bunch of flashlights that were at one point 
selling for like $600 a piece. These, when these small LED rechargeable flashlights first came out, they were hundreds of dollars, okay? Now, this newest one, this macro, macro stream costs, and it's funny, they said around $54. And when I looked it up, by the way, just to give you an idea, it only weighs 2.2 ounces. That's nothing. It is, um, it is IPX4 rated for water resistance, and it comes with a, a lanyard and a charging cord, all for about Forty-five or $54. So what I did is I looked it up and sure enough, like on Amazon, which a lot of people order things from Amazon, you may or may not like them as a company, but they are a good source of fast delivery, especially if you're an Amazon Prime member. They've got them listed. Now the model number is 66320 MacroStream USB 500. Okay, and it comes with a, 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 you said a pocket clip that doubles as a hat, hat clip by its unique design and a cord and stuff like that. Fifty three dollars and ninety four cents, free delivery on Thursday, January fourth. So that's pretty cool. Um, I I I'm going to end up getting, <laughs> not that I need another flashlight. What happens is I I get. I'm almost like my Rugeritis. When I when I Ruger comes out with a new gun, I have to have it. Uh, when Streamlight or Phoenix come out with a new flashlight, I need to have it. So at any rate, uh, this would be a good thing to look into, and you can get them at Amazon. Streamlight Macro M A C R O Stream, one word, USB 500 uh, for fifty three ninety four. Okay, here's another interesting thing that doesn't suck. And I thought about this because I was out shooting the other day and it was raining. And my targets, uh, fortunately, I was using um, shoot and seize, but they were stuck to paper, regular, you know, printer paper, typing paper. Uh, uh, gosh, that shows my age, typing paper. Uh, <laughs> eight and a half by 11 printer paper. Anyway, uh, there is a new company out called, not real new, but a newer company called Wright in the Rain. It's spelled R-I-T-E, Wright in the Rain. And they are they make precision distance targets and a bunch of other targets that are printed on treated paper so they won't disintegrate in the rain. Because we all know when we go to the rain sometimes, it's raining, misting, snowing, whatever. And so they've got these targets that are treated to be weather resistant. They come in, uh, these big ones come in um, 11 by 17 size. Uh, let's see, there's a 25 pack of 11 by 17 targets that have a lot of little targets on it for $28. So they're about a buck a piece. Um, there's ones, um, let's see, there's ones that are regular um uh, more lighter, like beige colored with black. They're, uh, they call them multi-purpose universal sniper tan targets. They're $23. Uh, right in the rain, they make a bunch that have little silhouettes on them that are kind of cool on 11 by 17 pa paper. And they're a hundred sheet pack for 22. So that's only, you know, a quarter a piece. That's pretty good. And they've also got uh, weatherproof 25 meter targets with eight and a half inch circles. And that's a hundred sheet pack for $26. So I want to say that is somebody having the foresight to say, wow, 
Look at all these mushy paper targets out there. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if they were waterproof? So, again, the company is called Wright, and that's R-I-T-E, not W-R-I-T-E or R-I-G-H-T. Wright, R-I-T-E, in the rain. And they have a website, uh, rightintherain.com. So you can go and pick the kind of target you want. And you can either order from them or from Amazon. They've got them on Amazon, too. So Amazon has everything. Um, and then the last story I was going to get to today is an interesting uh, look at the American Rifleman has this, this uh, series called I Have This Old Gun. And this is called I Have This Old Gun Remington 700 BDL. And it, I was reading it, and it reminds me, you know, Winchester kind of really, really ruled the roost in the 60s and 70s with, um, with uh, the Winchester 70. And this was the Remington equivalent to that. Uh, they had a model 721 and 725. It became the 700 outstanding gun. And I, I was going to tell you all about it, but I hear the music play. And again, the the uh, hour has uh, hit me up on the backside of the head. So I will start with this story next week. Um, and we'll talk about the different models and the different calibers that's available for them. So at any rate, um, the Remington 700 ADL, BDL, and now they have the Remington 700 CDL, which is a super luxury. Well, that's it for today and for this year. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at WAM Talk 1600. I'll see you next year. Okay, bye-bye.